Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Share my heart with you concerning this area because it is something that is an assignment for us. It's something that is not going to come but just by um, one day of giving our attention to it, but it's going to require that we... Um, be purposeful in imprinting the image of God concerning the increase that he has for us into our spirit. And we are in a time where the news and the things that are going on around us are doing a good job in the lives of a lot of believers to imprint them with the wrong thing, to imprint them with an image of lack. There are a lot of people expecting to struggle. They have an anticipation of struggle. I was, I was out uh, earlier this week. Lily and I went and we were at the nail salon getting my nails done and, and I was, you know... You know how the ladies are over here chatting and talking. And one of the ladies said, well, um, we can't do any traveling. Her daughter had come in. And she said, we can't go anywhere. We, we would normally go to Hot Springs and go walking around Marvin Gardens and doing different things. But we can't travel because the gas prices are so high. And, and the, the lady who was doing my nails, she said... Um, because she had already asked me what I was doing for spring break. And I said, I'm going to take Lily up to Kansas to see her grandmother. And, and she said, are you driving? <laughs> when she heard them talking about the gas prices, it t- pr- triggered that. And she goes, are you driving? I said, yeah, and it's no problem. Amen. I thought, I'm going to answer that. Because that, and I don't know if the other people heard me. I wasn't trying to say it to in, intimidate them or to even remark about what they said. But... I'm not letting that land in me. I'm not letting the image, an expectation of struggle, an expectation of lack, an expectation of not enough be imparted into me. I have been purposeful to prepare my heart to believe God for more. When I was first established, before this church was even established, God was talking to us about this location And I had been down to record our television broadcast on VTN, and I was driving back, and I was talking to the Lord about everything he had put in our heart uh, to to move into, and uh, the television, and I think at that time we were... We were looking at, at the Hispanic television and, and the different things with establishing a congregation here. And I began to tell the Lord about how much I needed. I'm like, Lord, I'm going to need more money. I'm going to need an increase. And he's, they, I said, I need more money. You know, I'm talking to him like he's let down. And if he's asking me, you know, to do all this, he's, he's got to come up with, you know. And he said, well, Michelle... 
you must increase. Oh, you threw it back into my ball court, right? You threw that back over onto me. It's not my ball, it's your ball, right? You, it's your turn. It's your, your move. Oh, I must increase. And what he was telling me was I didn't have increase in me. I didn't have an image of increase. I didn't have an expectation of increase. I have not enlarged my spirit. And so since that time, I have been purposeful about establishing. And it does not happen overnight. It, it does depend on how much attention we're giving to it. But it is something that has to have a consistent uh, uh, day in and day out, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little, laying a foundation to have that image to see yourself in, moving into more. And one of the things that uh, I thought was was helpful that the Lord did for me, and I didn't realize the fullness of it. When I had first started um, traveling back and forth every week uh, when we were having service at the La Quinta that first year, um, I, I had, the Lord gave me a song. It was a spiritual song. All I had was the tune and each time I would sing it, it would seem like uh, the words that I would sing, I was singing in the spirit. So uh, it wasn't that I was necessarily uh, singing the same words, although there were times I, I, I sensed that I was, that I had sang that part before, but it was the same tune. And so I would sing that song, and every time I would sing that song, it was a strength to me. And there, there were some times I would be in prayer and I would just move over into singing that song and like I would, I would be driving and I would sing that song and, and just uh, as I would sing, the Holy Spirit would strengthen my heart. It was like a, a fortification as I would sing this Holy Spirit song. I know y'all want me to sing it. You're like, okay, inquiring minds want to know, right? It, it wasn't necessarily that it was... Um, I didn't even know what I was singing at first. I didn't know what I was singing. I would just, I knew that when the tune would come to me, that the Holy Spirit would bring strength to my spirit as I would sing it. Andambare alabari andomba seriai. Andambe alalia robosari ambai. Andalia ramole aneamo. Andambonde. Andambonde, andambonde, andambandi. Ameolo. Ameolo male ania namone. 
And one day I was in the other campus in worship, and I, the Lord told me to sing that song. I'd never really sang it other than in a prayer meeting. I'd never sang it in, in a setting where there were like a congregation. And so I just obeyed him and I sang the song. And when I did, God gave me, I'd sang it for two and a half, three years. And all of a sudden, God gave me an interpretation of what I had been singing. Do you want to hear it? And though you walk down paths that have before seemed closed before your feet, the days ahead are opening for greater and for more. More to come in glory and more to come in light. What I have in store is more to come and more to come. And more to come, and more to come, and more to come, and greater still, and greater still, and greater still, and greater still. Every path I have designed that I have laid before your feet, every path is full of blessing and my very best. Walk ahead and walk with victory. Walk with confidence into my plan. Because in me you have more than victory. And more to come. And more to come. And more to come. And more to come. And greater still. And greater still, and greater still, and greater still. The strength to walk on higher ground flows freely from my throne. Higher paths and higher plans are available in me. Boldly enter into what I've chosen for your life. Walk in glory and in victory. And more to come, and more to come, and more to come, and more to come, and greater still, and greater still, and greater still, and greater still. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I sang that song for three years and didn't know I was prophesying under the unction of the Holy Spirit. No wonder I was strengthened every time I sang it. No wonder it brought to my spirit something my spirit needed to help me in those times that the travel may have been long or it, it seemed like it was a difficult time because he was letting me know that there's more to come. More to come. More to come. And so I want us to purposefully deposit in our spirits an image of God's provision and God's preparation. Go with me to Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19. It's a scripture that we've looked at before. And, and I and want you, to, I'm going to say this just one time. I'm not saying this to, to, for any other reason that I want to take your attention off of one specific area and widen it. When we talk about provision, 
Money is included, but money is not the end. There is a provision of wisdom that is worth more than any dollar bill. There is a provision of health. There is a provision of joy and peace that are, are necessary for our lives. So when we talk about provision, when we talk about the increase, we, we are including money, but we're not excluding all of those other things that we need for our lives. Philippians 4, 19, I want us to see the divine order of God. 4, 19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. The supply, the order of God has supply before need. God, supply, and then need is lower on the list. The supply comes before the need. That is God's way of doing. God has never put us in a position where we had need that he has not already supplied it. There, it doesn't exist. There is no need you will ever encounter in your life. You can't find one where you say, God, you missed it right here. You, you, you dropped the ball right here. God has already provided in your account, in the spirit, in the blessing, he has already provided for every need we will ever have. There's enough health in your 1 Peter 2.24 account that you never have to be sick another day in your life. Why? Because he has provided not only healing but health so that you can just, you can just opt out of sickness. Just opt out of it. I never have to be sick because there is health in my account. Now I have to withdraw from that account by believing in my heart and speaking with my mouth and establishing in my life and resisting the sickness and receiving the health that is mine in Christ. It is already provided. You never have to talk God into healing you. You never have to. You're not waiting on God. He has already, by the stripes of Jesus, it says, we were healed. We were healed. But when the stripes were laid on his back, healing became, to, became a provision in your account. Hallelujah. So God provides before we encounter the need. Hallelujah. And so we've got to... We've got to adjust our thinking so that when we encounter a need, we go to God and talk to him about the provision that he's already made ours and not talking to him about the need. If we go to God talking about the need, we are already out of order and at a disadvantage because we're going to go with the wrong, with the wrong questions. We're going to go with the wrong requests. Instead of saying, Lord, I need this, we need to say, Father, I thank you that you have already given me all things that pertain unto life and godliness. So I am coming and withdrawing from my supply account, from my fund, hallelujah. I'm fully funded in my health. I'm fully funded in my peace account. I'm fully funded in my wisdom account. I'm fully funded. I'm withdrawing from the funds that you've made available for this area of my life. If I go to my husband and ask my husband to marry me, 
He's at a disadvantage. He's already married me. He can't, he can't marry me any more than he's already married to me. He can't, there's nothing he can do to be more married to me. So for us to go to God and ask God to heal us, he's already our healer. There's nothing he can do more to provide healing than he's already done by laying the wounds on the back of our Savior that purchased our healing. So do you see what I'm saying? If we go to God with need as if we're trying to get it from him in a way that we're convincing him to give it to us, he's already given it to us. Faith sees the provision and talks to God about the provision and doesn't talk about the need. And so this is a divine order. It's a renewing of our mind to see it from this perspective that God has all... If I encounter a need, this did not catch God off guard. He knew it and already provided for it because He is Jehovah Jireh who sees ahead and provides. Now... When, when, let's look at that in Genesis 22. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Genesis 22 and verse 7. Isaac spoke unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. He said, Behold the fire in the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering. And Abraham said, My son, God will provide, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. And they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Now, we know that Abraham did this in faith, which means there was no tears, there was no struggle, there was no fear, there was no sense of loss. We know he told the men who walked with him to the edge of the mountain, the servants who were following with him, he said, the lad and I shall return. So he fully expected Isaac to be restored to him, to be raised up. The Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews that he received him. He received him in that manner. He received him as raised from the dead. In his heart, he knew God said that my seed is going to be like the stars in the sky and the sand beneath my feet and, and that it would be through Isaac. So Isaac will not die on this mountain. I will obey God and God will raise him up but he will not die. I will not lose my son today. This is not loss. I'm not giving something to God that I will never, that I am losing. I am obeying God and God is going to keep his word to me that through Isaac, so shall my seed be. Like the stars, like the sand. So he was in faith. He wasn't crying. He wasn't sad. He wasn't gloomy. He wasn't forlorn. He wasn't, he wasn't looking at Isaac and, and like these were the last moments he was going to have with him. 
He said, God shall provide. God shall provide. And Isaac was in faith. A, a picture of Jesus. Isaac was in faith. Hallelujah. Most theologians think that he was a teenager or a young adult and would have been able, if he had desired, to fight back or to resist. But we, we don't see that. We see the willingness, just like Jesus was willing. Amen. To be our sacrifice. Isaac was a picture of that. But God didn't need Isaac to, to shed his blood. Because his blood wouldn't do what Jesus' blood did. Isaac just needed his covenant partner to be willing to offer his son. And to believe that God could raise him from the dead. Because then God had legal right to offer his son. And legal right to raise him from the dead. Amen. So Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, lay not your hand upon the lad, neither do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. Caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. That's exactly what Abraham expected. God will provide himself an offering if Abraham had not obeyed God he would never had encountered the provision of God the provision was in the plan the provision was in the obedience he would never have known there was a ram supplied if he had not been obedient to the instruction and in the plan of God, there is full provision. This ram was in the thicket before Abraham climbed the mountain with Isaac. It was there, provided before Abraham got there. Before, before he put Isaac on the altar. God had provided for them in advance. Hallelujah. But he encountered it. Through his obedience. Hallelujah. And Abraham called the name of that place. He named the place to remind him. This is where I came to know God in this fashion. He called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh. Which means the Lord will see and provide. He sees in advance and he provides. Provision is to see before, hallelujah, that preparation for the vision he has seen in advance. And the vision that God, you were before you were formed in your mother's womb. We read it this morning for Jeremiah chapter 1. Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I, I ordained you. 
I place provision in you. I already know what's inside of you. I know the deposit that I've made in you. I know what I have in store for you. Hallelujah. God sees in advance and places provision for us in advance before we come into that stage of our life. When we come into that place of obedience, there is a supply for that place. You know, in 3 John, when it says, Beloved, I pray, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. The word prosper means to succeed in reaching. It it means in the Greek language to, to reach the end of a journey fully supplied. God doesn't want you to come across the finish line on on fumes. He doesn't want you to come to the end just barely, just scraping out, just barely enough. He wants you to come in with a full supply. A full supply because every, every stop along the way, every, every different place he has for you along the way, there's a provision to stock you back up, to, to fulfill your, your, your needs. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So this is God. And that's why my God shall supply all your need. The supply is already available before the need arises. And our thinking that way and our praying in line with that will be more effective than us going to God and rehearsing need and rehearsing the lack or rehearsing what we see in the situation that needs. We need to come with faith and know, God, you have already blessed me with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Now, I I have to admit, the first time I heard that, I thought, I don't need spiritual blessings. I need money in my bank. I need some gas in my tank. I need some food in my cabinets. I know spiritual blessings aren't helping me right now. Until I grew up a little bit to understand that spiritual blessings are the origin of the food in my cabinet and the gas in my car. Through the spiritual blessing, I always have a supply that I can access to bring it into the natural. I just had to learn that key of having to, how to manifest that spiritual blessing by believing and receiving it with my faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. When, When that spiritual blessing becomes real to us and not just something that we see off in the future, do you know that you are an heir of God? And you're not waiting to die to get your inheritance? That's not how it works. We don't don't die to get our inheritance. That's not how being an heir works. An heir gets the inheritance that that was left to them by the person who, who made them an heir. So Jesus already died so that we could receive our inheritance. Hallelujah. There's already a supply in our inheritance. There's enough in your inheritance. We should never have, we should never encounter. The inheritance is so packed. The inheritance is so full. The inheritance that God has given us. The things that pertain to us, that belong to us because we are sons of God. We are children of God. We have authority in the name of Jesus. We have the word of God. We have the sword of the spirit. We have have the the, uh, uh, 
the power of the help of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. We have every wisdom. Jesus has made unto us wisdom. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We've got fruits of righteousness. We have so much that is already ours in the inheritance. And, and money, according to God, money is a small thing. We've got to make it a small thing. Hallelujah. My God shall supply. Hallelujah. So when we begin to see God as the God who has already supplied, then we begin to recognize how he operates and what his plan is for our life. Let me talk about one important aspect of your inheritance. And we have a new book that's coming out, Our Provision in Christ, and we talk about our healing in Christ. We talk about our, our um, uh, inheritance in Christ. We talk about uh, this, the blessing that is ours in Christ Jesus. You are an heir of the blessing. Let's talk about how the blessing is supposed to operate for you. Can we do that for just a moment? Look at... at uh, you know, because Adam, although he received the blessing first, he didn't stay with the blessing, so we don't see how the blessing worked for him. But Abraham was the next one that we can see who received and cooperated and participated with the blessing. Can we look at Abraham in Genesis 24? This is a testimony from one of Abraham's servants in verse 35. The Lord has blessed my master greatly. Now we're heirs of this same blessing. This blessing that worked for Abraham is your inheritance. God willing to show the unchangeableness, the immutability of his promise he, he not only promised you, but he swore, blessing I will bless you, multiplying I will multiply you, so that you would know that his counsel is not going to change. His willingness to bless you is not going to change. And, and the blessing is financial, and the blessing is physical, and the blessing is spiritual, and the blessing is protection. And the blessing is wisdom. I mean, to me, the blessing means help. Any kind of help I need, it's in the blessing. Because he's, the, he's blessed me with an abundant increase of favor, the Amplified says in Genesis 12. An abundant increase of favor. God is leaning toward me at all times saying, can I help you? Let me help you with that. Can I help you? Let me help you with that. He's leaning towards us. That's the favor of God. So that's my, I, I'm an heir to that. I've got God's help in anything I'm facing. I am never at a disadvantage. If God before me tell me who in the world can be against me. If God before me tell me who in the world can be against me. If God before me tell me who in the world can be against me. 
If God be for me, tell me who in the world can be against me. Do you have that attitude? If God be for me. Oh, that changes. That changes everything. If God be for me. <laughs> if God be for me. What physical need am I going to face that God is not up to the task? If God be for me. If God be for me, what financial distress is going to move me into a place where God can't help? If God be for me, hallelujah, hallelujah, he's, he's always willing to help me. Genesis 24, 35 tells us how God helped Abraham in the blessing. The Lord has blessed my master greatly, and he has become great. And he has given him flocks and herds and silver and gold and men servants and maid servants and camels and donkeys. Hallelujah. God did that. Abraham didn't do that on his own. God did that to Abraham. Because of the blessing that you own by inheritance. The blessing that is your inheritance. Hallelujah. Let's see what it did for Isaac. Isaac had to operate and cooperate and participate with the blessing personally. In Genesis 26, it says there was a famine in the land, verse 1. A different famine than was in the days of Abraham. And it says... That God came and appeared to him in verse 2 and said, Do not go down into Egypt. I want you to stay in the land I will tell you of. I want you to sojourn in this land and I will be with you and I will bless you. If God be for me, he said, I'll be with you and I'll bless you. This is the same blessing that Abraham had that has now passed on to his descendant Isaac. And God says, I will bless you for unto you and unto this seed. I will give all this country and I will perform the oath which I swore unto Abraham your father. And I will make your seed to multiply as the stars of heaven. And I will give unto your seed all these countries. And in your seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Because that Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statute and my laws. And Isaac stayed there he dwelt in Gerar he stayed where God told him to stay I'm gonna stay where the Lord says stay I don't know why I'm singing so much tonight y'all have mercy on me I'm gonna stay where the Lord says stay I'm gonna sow where the Lord says so I'm going to reap where the Lord says reap. Yes, I am. Oh, yes, I am. That's a song that the Holy Spirit gave Pastor Steele. We're going to sing it here one day, aren't we? Praise God. So he says he stayed in the land. Verse 12. Then Isaac sowed in that land. Why did Isaac sow in that land? Nobody else was sowing in that land. There was a famine in the land. There was no water in the land. Why are you going to sow in dry dirt? Because I've got help. God's for me. That's why we sow in dry dirt. Why? Because I'm not sowing by what I see. 
I'm not sowing by what it looks like in the natural. I'm sowing because God said he would bless me here. So I'm going to get busy with what I do. I'm going to plant my crops and I'm going to reap my crops because God will help me. And it says he did receive in that year a hundredfold. Why? The Lord blessed him. And the man waxed great and went for it. Now, let me talk about waxing great because it's not a verb that we use generally. But the image that it brings to our mind will help us. For you to make a candle, you take a wick and you dip it in the wax and you pull it up and let it cool and you dip it again. And you pull it up and let it cool and you dip it again. And determine by how, how thick you want that candle to be, you keep waxing it. And each layer of wax makes it stronger and thicker. So the blessing waxes. The blessing is not just a one-time occurrence. The blessing is not a get-rich-quick scheme. You can't get rich quick with the blessing because it waxes. It waxes every day. You're making decisions and the blessing is on those decisions. You're making purchases that the blessing is on. You're making sales that the blessing is on. You're doing business and the blessing is on it. You're making investments that the blessing is on. And that blessing is causing everything that you put your hand to, to wax great. Which is little by little. It is a, a continual, consistent increase. A continual, consistent increase. It's not an overnight increase. But if you'll just keep getting up and going to bed and getting up and going to bed and letting the blessing have its governing flow in your life, it's going to cause you to wax great. So when somebody comes and says, Pastor Jim, how are you today? You can say, I'm waxing great, thank you. Hallelujah. How are you, DJ? I'm waxing great, thank you. Hallelujah, I'm waxing great. Every day it's getting better. Every day it's getting better. Increasing every day. Why? Because the blessing causes me to wax great. It says he waxed great and he went forward and he grew until he became very great. So it was a process. It was a growth. It was the, the word of God through the blessing. God pronounced the blessing. He believed it. He received it. And he cooperated with it. Hallelujah. And it caused him a continual increase in his life. Jacob. Jacob had a rough start, didn't he? Jacob went in and, uh, first of all, his brother came in hungry and liked the smell of Jacob's pottage, his bean soup, and said, I'm about to starve to death. Give me a bowl of beans. And he says, what will you give me for my beans? And he says, what do you want? And he says, I want you to give me your birthright. And he said, what good is my birthright going to do if I starve to death from hunger? Sure, I'll give it to you. So he despised it. He treated it lightly. He was willing to give up his birthright for a momentary bowl of beans. 
And so then uh, Jacob's mother encourages him to go in and get the blessing too. You already got the birthright. You might as well go ahead and get the blessing. And so he dressed up because his father was not seeing very well. And he dressed up with the same kind of fur that his brother would wear, the same kind of animal skins. And, and he, he took some of the venison stew. His mother prepared it so that it, it tasted like his brother's stew. And he carried it in there and, and tricked his father into thinking that he was Laban, or into thinking that he was uh, his brother. Uh, Laban is his, his cousin Esau. He's thinking it was his brother Esau, and uh, he got the blessing. And so then he ran for his life because Esau was ready to kill him. He's took my birthright, and he's taken my blessing, and, and now I don't have the blessing anymore. The blessing. The blessing. When he came into his father and he said, can't you give me the blessing? He said, it's too late. I've already pronounced it on your brother. And he gave him a semblance of a blessing, but it wasn't the blessing that he had inherited. It wasn't the blessing of the firstborn. It wasn't the blessing that came on the air. The, it wasn't the blessing you have. It was a lesser words of empowerment, but not the same words of empowerment that we have. We have the, the blessing that God gave Abraham, that God gave Isaac, that now Jacob has. But Jacob left with the knapsack on his back. He took what he could carry and ran for his life. His mother said, go, we have family in this other part. Go and stay with Laban. And so Laban was a relative and he went to Laban's house and, and uh, fell in love and wanted to marry uh, Laban's second daughter and got deceived into... Uh, marrying Leah, and then he worked more, I think seven more years, and ends up marrying Rachel. And the whole time he's working for Laban. And Laban keeps finagling so that he keeps taking from Jacob and stealing from Jacob. And so the, now all of a sudden, Jacob, he, he says, you know what, let's, let's work this out because you keep taking from me. And tricking me. So let's just settle it. And, and so Laban said, okay, here's what we're going to do. All of the sheep that are ringed or streaked, they have spots on them, they have streaks on them, the sheep or the cattle that come out like that, you can have them. And evidently, it was the minority of the sheep. There weren't very many sheep and cattle that were most of them were being bred with a full color. They weren't they weren't spotted or speckled or streaked. And so Laban thought, I'm still going to get the better end of this deal. But he didn't he didn't know about the blessing on Jacob's life. He didn't know that the blessing was on the work of his hands. And so God gave wisdom to Jacob and Jacob took some poplar branches and stripped those poplar branches so that it, they were showing the streaks and the spots and put it in front of the sheep and the cattle before while they were eating and while they were drinking and they started producing what they were seeing 
what was, what was before their eyes, they started bringing forth and giving birth to what they were looking at. That's why you've got to guard what you put in front of your eyes because you're going to bring forth what you're looking at. But the blessing caused it so that now all of the cattle and all of the sheep that were being birthed were spotted and ring-straked and, and speckled. And so they came over into Jacob's herds and Laban's son says, you've robbed from us. He said, I didn't rob. It was legal transaction. We made the agreement. It was a public agreement. Whatever came out with those spots, with those streaks, with those uh, patterns on them were mine. Hallelujah. And when he left, the, the blessing had caused, remember when he left home, all he had was the clothes in his knapsack. When he came back, he was two bands. There was so much supply in his life. He had to separate his group into two different groups. He says here in Genesis chapter 30, let's look at verse 43 first. It says, thus the man became exceedingly prosperous and had large flocks female and male servants, camels and donkeys. He became exceedingly prosperous. It was the blessing. It wasn't just his skill. It was the blessing on his life. And then he said this to his brother. Chapter 33 and verse 11. He said, Take, I pray thee, my blessing that is brought to you. He comes back to Esau and he brings him a gift. He brings him an offering. And Esau He's not looking for trouble. He's willing to forgive. He said, I don't need that. You don't have to give me anything. But Jacob says, because God has dealt graciously with me, favorably with me, God has helped me. Because God has dealt graciously with me and because I have enough. In other words, now I have something to give. I have something to give. So he was not only blessed, but he became a blessing. He became a blessing. Joseph, Genesis 32. Actually, 39 and verse 2. Genesis 39. Glory to God. And the Lord was with Joseph, if God be for me. And he was a prosperous man. Why was he prosperous? Because God was with him. The first time I read this, I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. He He was a servant in Potiphar's house. But the Bible says God was with him. And that he was prosperous in the house of his master, the Egyptian. He was prosperous. He was so prosperous that it was visible. It was evident. It was evident God's with him. He's got something working through him. The blessing. The master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did 
to flourish and succeed, to prosper, to flourish and succeed in his hand. That's God's plan for you. That's what God wants to do. God wants, God wants your life to be so full of the flow of the blessing that people can look at you and see that God is with you and that God makes all that you do to prosper. God, God, God's going to do that. The blessing is going to make what you do prosper. The blessing, not you trying to make it happen. You cooperate with the blessing. You believe in the blessing. You expect the blessing. When you pull up to the pump, you fill it up. You don't even look at the price of the gas in the t uh, on that little register thing. It doesn't matter because that price tag is not going to dictate to me whether I put half a tank in or a full tank in. I'm going to fill it up because I am under the blessing and the blessing has enough power to meet whatever the price demands. We're not being sassy. We're not being arrogant. We are being, we are being specific and purposeful to see that there is not a need that I will encounter except that the Lord has already made provision. The blessing is the provision of God for every aspect of our lives. The blessing will protect us. The blessing will provide for us. The blessing is the covenant flow of God. Every person that God entered into a relationship with, God brought the blessing into the relationship. God said, I want my blessing to be on you. I will bless you. I will make your name great. I will make the works of your hand to prosper. I will bless you going in. I will bless you coming out. I will bless you in the field. I will bless you in the city. I will bless you in the storehouse. I will bless you in every area of your life. He said with the blessing that the enemy will come against you one way and flee before. The blessing will do that. The blessing will do that. Hallelujah. So it's not just financial, but it includes financial. The blessing is for our physical body. The blessing is for our marriage. The blessing is for the raising of our children. The blessing is supposed to have a flow in every avenue of our lives. Hallelujah. And when it does, it will bring flourishing and succeeding in whatever you're attempting to do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's waxing. It's not, it's not overnight. That's where people... Sometimes get, they grow weary in well-doing. Like the scripture in Galatians 6 that we read earlier. Don't grow weary in well-doing. Because they think, well, it's not happening as fast as I would like it. Just, it's happening. It's better. It's better every day. It's increasing every day. Hallelujah. The Lord told me, some years ago to write my testimony. I had already written the book Pressure No Problem and I'd already went in a few different places and, and uh, interviewed about that book. But the Lord gave me a specific instruction about how to write my testimony of where God had brought me from. 
And I took an entire week. I wrote walking in the graveyard in a week. I shut myself away in the house. And I've told my husband and my children, if y'all could eat some ham sandwiches, some turkey sandwiches or something for a week, I need to get this book and I need to do it all at one time so that I can just sit and, and, and I didn't even put on any makeup because I cried as I was telling, putting my story down in book form. And I wrote my testimony and I've shared it in places. I've shared it in, uh, I, I did a few different interviews with it. But when I was born again, about two months after I had been born again, the word of the Lord came, and I didn't know anything about a prophetic word or a word of, of a knowledge or a word of wisdom at the time. I had just, just barely been saved long enough to understand the moving of the Spirit. But the word of the Lord, I do remember specifically how that uh, the minister said to me that my testimony would go around the world. A number of years later, when we were pastoring uh, that first year in, in Kansas, Paula White came to our church. And in the middle of her service, she stopped and she walked over and stood in front of me and she said, your testimony will go around the world even on airwaves. So there have been a few different times. Those are the two that are really significant to me where God said my testimony was going to go around the world. And I wrote Walking in the Graveyard, and I thought, okay, well, I'd, I wouldn't say that it's gone around the world. It's, it's, it's made a little bit of an impact, but I know that what I wrote it for was, was supposed to be more significant. Can I tell? Can I tell what you shared with me last week? Sister Tracy came to me last week, and she said she was, she was at a place and found a, a used book section uh, and at, at a store, and she gathered a number. And in, in looking through these used books, she found my testimony walking in the graveyard here in Little Rock. And she took it along with some of the other books. And when she went up to the counter, the cashier pointed out specifically walking in the graveyard. And she said, oh, have you, that book is so good. You're going to love this book. It's like reading, it, the reading is like watching a movie. And Sister Tracy said, I had to admit, she is my pastor, but I've never read this book. And she told her about our church and encouraged her to come. But she said, I had to admit to her, I'd never read your book. And she said, I went home and I could barely put the book down. Did you read it in two different sittings? Like, she said, I could barely put it down. It was like watching a movie. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And it ministered to you. Hallelujah. When, when God gave it to me, I was obedient to do what he told me to do with that book. Since that time, it has ministered to people in prisons. It's ministered to people in the drug rehabs. It's ministered to people whose family has sent it to them. But I knew it had not reached the impact of where it needed to be. And at the end of last year, my friend Annette Caps was having a conversation with the 
publish with the representative of Harrison House, and she began to tell him about my book, about my story. And she began to share that with him, and he said, well, send me her book. When she got off the phone, her staff was sitting there with their mouth open. And they said, you never endorse people like you just did. You, I've never heard you put yourself on the line for somebody the way that you did to share her story with that man. Well, we sent him a digital copy of the book, a PDF copy. He read it in one day. He couldn't put it down. He was so touched by it. In September, we go nationwide, available in every bookstore, Barnes & Noble, uh, with not only the, the walking in the graveyard version, that part, but he, they asked me to write the other half of what God used, word of God, the principles that God used to help me stay on his path. And so half of the book is my testimony, and the second half of the book is teaching from the word of God about how to stay free and walking in the victory of God. Hallelujah. Waxing great. It didn't, if I would have given up, if I would have given up and saying it didn't seem to go anywhere and it's not happening the way I thought it would happen, I would miss where we are right now and what God is getting ready to do. Hallelujah. It's waxing great. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The blessing of the Lord. The blessing of the Lord is our inheritance. And he wants us to increase by the blessing. The increase of God is not the same as the increase of the world. The increase of God is stable increase. It is steady increase. It is increase that comes with peace. The book of Proverbs calls it durable riches. Riches that endure. Hallelujah. That's the plan of God for us. That's the plan of God for us. And more to come. And more to come and more to come and more to come. And greater still. And greater still and greater still and greater still. Can we expect the increase of God? Can we purposefully set the expectation of our heart to get up every day and turn our expectation to the increase of God I'm waxing great I'm waxing great in wisdom I'm waxing great in strength I'm waxing great in my health I'm waxing I'm increasing God is increasing me more and more praise God thank you Lord